0: Welcome to this week's edition of The Sword and Staff. I'm one of your hosts, Josh Robinson. And joining me today, as always, is my co-host, Sketchy Richie. On today's edition of The Sword and Staff, Richie and I are bringing the Sketchy back. Absolutely. Last last week, we uh, took a break. We did an episode of The Wandering Wizard. We talked about the first and second episodes of Rings of Power. But this week, we are back. We are bringing the Sketch back. And in this week's edition... We're going to be talking about a couple of particular UFO abduction cases um, with uh, Travis Walton, Fire in the Sky, and Betty and Barney Hill. We're going to kind of zoom out a little bit and we're going to look at abduction phenomena as... In general. In general, and then we're going to zoom out even further, and we're going to look at it uh, biblically. We're going to look at it... uh, We're going to see how we can kind of think about it, how we can categorize it. We'll even talk about why people should care about this stuff. Like, we've got all sorts of people who tune into Sword and Staff at this point, Richie. (laughs) We've got people from the paranormal field. We've got people who are into the biblical, theological stuff we talk about. We've got people who are here because of the mytho-historical stuff that we talk about. There's all kinds of people here now
1: break out your bibles your holy water and your tinfoil hats oh my
0: that's the sword and staff uh bug out bag there you go um i think the 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 reason why people should be interested in this topic is because um for all those people who like those things like the the paranormal stuff the biblical stuff the mytho-historical stuff um i think that actually in modern Abduction cases. All of these things kind of come together. Yeah, there's something for everybody in this. Yeah, I think so. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in this this episode. But uh, Richie, what, <clears throat> how are you feeling today, pal? Uh, what, do, what do you think about this episode? What are we calling this episode?
1: I was going to say, I was I was wondering if you were going to bring that up as I was preparing the uh, outline for the episode. I, the working title was Sword and Staff Gets Pro. <laughs> We are not calling it sword stack. There, was a, there has been a bunch of probing going on. Uh, where? In, in preparation for this episode. No, no, no. I can hear Travis right now no. just screaming telepathically. Like, absolutely not. There's been no probing.
0: I agree with him. No probing. No <laughs> probing at all. Um, so, anyway, you got to make the people laugh a little. So, and you got to freak them out a little bit. too. I was going to so. say. Um, how are you feeling about today's episode, though?
1: I'm pretty excited about it. Like, i Don't know how people are going to react to it, but... It's been a while since we've talked about UFO stuff, I think. We did it as part of... I think it was the Spiritual Beings series. We talked about UFOs.
0: Yeah. Have we talked about UFOs since then? I don't think so. It's been a hot minute for sure. I don't know. I think it was just during the series. Yeah. I can't remember the last time that we talked about UFOs, but I think that you're right. I think that was maybe the last time... Well, we
1: kind of mentioned it when we were talking about like uh, the UFOs in Antarctica, like the Nazi thing. We Right. Kind of touched on it there, but.
0: Right. Nothing
1: really extensive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So this is going to be the first time in a while. Yeah. So. All right. Well, hey, well, let's get into it. So today we're going to be looking at a couple particular cases, and then that'll give us a kind of a jumping off point to talk about UFO abduction phenomena as a whole. Um, But, Richie, go ahead and kind of tell us about the cases we're going to be talking about today.
1: Well, we're going to be talking about two pretty famous cases in. ufology and one of them is uh travis walton's abduction case and most people that aren't familiar with the real travis walton Mm -hmm. certainly know about the movie fire in the sky and that's a movie loosely based on travis's experience i think the producers actually said when they heard his story like they were like let's spice this up a little bit so it's very loosely based on that but there's a lot of points that overlap cool the second case we're going to be looking at is the abduction of Betty and Barney Hill. Okay. They were an interracial couple that were abducted from, a, from the middle of the road one night. Right. And a lot of interesting rabbit holes associated that with that one, but let's start with Travis Walton.
0: Okay. All right. Well, the story with Travis Walton as you said, uh, was adapted into a 1993 film called Fire in the Sky. Um, There was actually a book, uh, Walton wrote it. um, It was about his abduction experience called The Walton Experience. And that book was published in 1978. And so here's kind of a little bit of his story, kind of an overview of it. You can feel free to Dive into whatever parts that you want. Um, yeah, like I,
1: I'm not from a scholarly level. I don't know his like uh, like what an, an article would say about his his story. But I've heard several interviews from Travis. Right. And with various paranormal researchers over the years. I watched some so, of his
0: interview with Joe Rogan.
1: Oh, I, That's the one I like the least.
0: <laughs> so uh, it's the
1: one that's like it's his most latest interview. So I think so. it's, it's after decades and decades of telling the story and exploring these these possible outcomes and what really happened to him. Like, I I don't know how I feel about the latest interview with him on there.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, so here's kind of an overview of his story. So according to Walton and a number of other members who were with him, um, he was a part of a logging crew. Yep. Right. They, they logged for a living. That's what they were doing. And uh, so according to him and several other, the people that he was working with on November the 5th, 1975, This is a few years before he published his book. Yep. Him and his friends were working with a uh, a, a timber crew in the Apache Sitgreaves National Force near Snowflake, Arizona. Snowflake, Arizona. Yep. And while he was riding in the truck with six or so of his co-workers, they encounter what appeared to them to be a flying saucer type object.
1: Well, first they see Travis in his interviews describe a glow okay. that they see in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they approach it slowly on the on the those timber roads. Their thinking is that it's okay. This is a forest fire. This is something man made that's back there. Mm-hmm. When they get back there is when they things start to get very strange. That they can't seem to spot a point of illumination, like you know with a flashlight or something. You can see the point of illumination on, even on the flashlight, right? They could tell that the forest was illuminated by something, but the light seemed to just emanate from nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like even the craft that they encounter later, it doesn't even seem to be the source of the light, even though that it is. It's it's, it's, it's He finds it hard to describe. So for me to describe it secondhand, it's
0: yeah, nearly kind impossible. of
1: impossible. Right. But yeah, the first I think it's a, a forest fire, something going on up there. And when they get there, they encounter... Like just like you said, a, a saucer-shaped UFO that's right. just merely feet off the ground.
0: Yeah, they said that uh, from from the story and the s- stuff that I have read. They said that it's somewhere a- around approximately 110 foot feet off the ground. Yep, uh, that's not very far. No, um, and they say that it's making it was making a high pitched buzzing noise. They talk about like you even see that in the the yep. clip Fire in the Sky. Like there's this rumbling associated. Yeah, that's something with it. that the
1: movie got right. Uh, Travis makes it a point to say that they felt that's the sound more than they heard it. And uh, we just watched that clip from the movie, and the first thing they say in the truck is, oh, my gosh, do you feel that? Right. Like, they they acknowledge that. So that's that's right. a
0: point that's actually true to the story. So it's not something that he experienced. It's also something that the other members of the logging crew experienced as yep. well and they didn't just see it they experienced it body, bodily yep so um so walton says that after he left the truck and approached the object that there was a beam of light uh suddenly appeared from the craft and it knocked him unconscious well, his his you go story, ahead that's yeah, what well, he story,
1: him and the crew add a lot more details overview, in, in between the overview that yep. you got there yep like they're, they're, they sit and they watch this thing for they don't even remember how long. Like they're just in shock by what they're seeing. Right. Yeah. They're there and for a hot minute. Travis just basically crawls over them and out of the truck mm-hmm. to get a closer look. And they're all yelling at him, No, come back. Like this is crazy. Yeah. And he gets there and it starts to make this buzzing noise, and Mm -hmm. it scares him. It starts to move. Mm -hmm. Well, he dives down towards it in behind these these logs that are cut down laying there. So he actually says to get away from it, you have to actually get closer to it. So he said when that happens, uh, it starts to rumble, and they start to feel like the – it's almost – he describes it later on as like infrasound, like that comes off like speakers at a concert, Mm -hmm. like that sort of – Rumbling. Yeah, that rumbling. Mm -hmm. He he stands up to run away, and that's when he gets hit by the beam.
0: Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, right? Like it throws him.
1: Yeah, he said you could physically he could physically feel the beam take hold of him. Like it was more of a physical experience than anything just, just looking light like light. Yeah, on. yeah. He said he could feel it tactilely all over his body. Yeah, so it throws him. Yeah, he described it as like a bunch of little hands grabbing him all at once, picking him up off the ground. And according to the people in the truck, Travis said he t- his experience, it wasn't as violent as what it looked. Mm-hmm. But the guys in the truck said that, yeah, it threw him across the clearing, like, to the point where they thought he was dead.
0: Yeah. Well, and on that, like, this freaked the men out and oh, frighten yeah. them so badly that they drive away. Yep. They they they're basically like he's dead. Yep, that's that's exactly he's, what they say in interviews he's, like he's not breathing, he's done, like let's get the heck out of yep. here. Yeah. They st- they okay, he's he's
1: dead after that and this thing is going to get us next. Let's go.
0: Yeah. And so, here's where things start to get interesting. So after that, Walton says that he awakes in a hospital-like room being observed by three short Bald, humanoid creatures. Yeah.
1: Now this is where they need to really detach from the movie. Yeah. Because the movie has Got added scared. so much. Like it's it's they turn it so much horror story, right. like horror movie. Yeah. Like they have Travis literally erupting from this this uh, jelly like pod. Yeah, and it reminded in, me of the Matrix. Yeah, he's in zero gravity, floating around. He comes across their spacesuits, and they're dragging him down hallways, and got him like suctioned to a table with mm-hmm. instruments. Like it wasn't like that. Well, that he described, it wasn't like that. Didn't
0: he also describe seeing humans? Yes. Yeah. Talk about that. He he said that as he was going through the craft, right? That he yep. ended up seeing humans.
1: He 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 wakes up in this hospital bed. Well, that what he describes like a slab. And there's this big bright light above him. And he said it wasn't bright enough to where there's you could interesting look that at there's it. There's
0: all these lights yep. attached to this phenomenon.
1: He said it, it, he said it reminded him of the light that's outside the craft. Like it wasn't bright enough that it, you couldn't stare at it, but it illuminated everything all at once. Mm-hmm. So in the room that he describes, I think it's three mm-hmm. small entities with large eyes, and immediately he's just, he, he describes himself going into just, uh, just a rage. Like it was like primal fight or flight. He lashes out at these things. He even knocks one over at one point, and he says that he he thinks that they tried to communicate with him almost telepathically. Like it, right. there was a, a, a strange way that they were. He could hear what they were saying, but their mouths or anything never moved.
0: That's fascinating. So, and we'll get into <clears throat> we'll get into that a little bit more. On the part where we kind of zoom out a little bit and talk about the phenomena a little bit more, but the, te- the telepathic part yeah. um, in particular is uh, very interesting. Yep.
1: So after he knocked the one over, he reaches back and he's feeling for stuff behind him and he picks up this metal pipe like object mm-hmm. and he starts swinging at them and they, they see that he's scared and they sort of back up. Well, I think one of them leaves the room or two of them, uh, or maybe even all of them, but they come back mm-hmm. with what appears to be human beings that 's right in e- either space suits or like hazmat suits like I don't know if this was a, a ploy to calm Travis down, like, okay, right. these people look like you the all right you're you're going to be okay mm-hmm. but he th- he thinks that that's what it was, like to show him some a familiar face right, right. so yeah. after that, he thinks that He comes to the conclusion that these these beings were working with humanity, like in some sort of military way, because he describes actually leaving the craft and being in this uh, hangar with other UFO-like craft there and a military presence. So that's where he really clings to, okay, this was something that was in coercion with the military.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: After that, he's he has really no memory of how he got back. Yeah. He just knows that he finds himself walking along a road. Five days later. Five days later. Yeah. And he ends up in a phone booth somewhere.
0: Yep. And, um, yeah. So there's like memory loss, the loss of time. Like he just so happens to come to himself walking along the highway five days later. Yeah. He said what,
1: what to him felt like just a matter of maybe, An hour, a couple hours, actually turned into be a week-long affair. Like, that's how long he was gone. Yeah. And that's just from his perspective. You look at the town, what was happening to the town while he was gone, this thing made international news. Mm -hmm. Like, this drew ufologists and paranormal investigators and world media from everywhere came to this little town to investigate this abduction. Because after he was abducted, like, they went to the police, and they, they told the police word for word what they saw. And, okay, the cops weren't buying that. They thought for sure that these guys had murdered Travis and buried him in one of the logging piles up there. So that what was, that's what was going on. While Travis was gone, the guys were being investigated for his murder. Yeah. So while he's gone dealing with whatever he was dealing with, back home there was just chaos.
0: One of the things about this, uh, Travis's case, that I find interesting is that it occurs in a national forest, basically. Yep. uh, Which is the Apache-Sitgreaves National Forest. Native American connection right there. Yes. Yep. Um, So it's really, really interesting because adjacent to these places, there is um, Indian reservations, on these places, and there is native american uh there is a Native American presence tied to this these mountains that yep. they're, that he's on and well, I, I come find to that find fascinating
1: out, yeah, I come to find out later that Travis wasn't and his crew weren't the only ones that reported this UFO in the area the same night really there were other people that came forward to report it. There was people on, in a boat on a lake that saw it in the same general area the same night. There were people along the same town, the same county. Over two weeks leading up to this event, that saw this same sort of craft in the area. Multiple times. Say two nights. weeks
0: leading up to it.
1: Yep. So this turned out to be a culmination, what they believe a culmination of a couple week long sighting.
0: Yeah, this is kind of the apex of this yep. this phenomena that's, that's happening here.
1: Almost like what you see when you see a wave of high strangeness. Right. So interesting. It makes a lot of sense.
0: Okay. All right. Um, and so. You know nineteen seventy eight uh Walton writes a book titled "The Walton Experience," which kind of records all this yep. right. so that's basically the story of Travis Walton um we're coming in at twenty minutes already telling his story
1: but he like <laughs> his life now he he's made his entire life this story right, so he goes and he does uh u f o conferences and paranormal events, and mm-hmm. he's a guest speaker and it's it's strange. A lot of people, like, you have these two diehard camps that fight against each other. Like, there's people that are all for his experience, that they believe him, that they, they back up, they mount evidence for and against him, and they just go to war. But to me, I I don't know if I, what I think about Travis Walton.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I saw some of his interview with Joe Rogan. To and... me, that's
1: the worst one he's ever done.
0: I'm not sure what I think of Travis Walton just because. Have you watched
1: the older interviews? No, I need. To go I'll, back have to, to I'll have to. I'll have to send you a link to some of the, the um, ones that were closer to the event.
0: Personally, um, I wasn't planning on talking about this, but <clears> personally, <throat> my impression whenever I watched his interview, and maybe it's different in other interviews. Uh, my first impression whenever I saw his interview with Joe Rogan was that he was lying. Like there was just some telltale signs there, like. That you learn in law enforcement. Yeah. That are some telltale signs that somebody's lying to you. Being very, very fidgety, touching. When I touching. saw
1: when i s I'll give you that. When I saw it, I was like, he is acting so nervous. And he doesn't act like that in any yeah. of the other interviews I've ever seen. Who knows? So. Maybe
0: he was having a bad day. Who knows? But um there also though is um he also did take some polygraph tests. And let me say this. As well, um, I'm pretty sure the polygraph tests are not permissible in courts no, anymore. They're not, um, yeah. So, but because they can they can be manipulated. Um, but he um, he was um, administered a polygraph test by the inquirer and the area uh, aerial phenomena research organization, and he passed those. There supposedly is uh, another polygraph test um that he took as well that he failed. Um I can't remember who administered that one. Yep. And apparently there was another one that was inconclusive. So there is some mixed results with polygraph tests, but again
1: I mean we I had this discussion the other day when well, we was talking about this. And these
0: these things can be manipulated and, you know, they're not permissible in courts well, anymore. Well
1: you have so. to look at the questions that they're asking during the polygraph test. They're asking what happened. Like they're asking him, were you abducted? by aliens, a UFO, he will himself tell you that he has no idea what these things were, mm-hmm. what happened to him. Like, it, to me, it's just, they're, you're asking for straightforward answers for something that yeah. he himself has no definitive, yeah. you know, solutions on even now. Like, you'll ask him, like, he you'll see that in his interviews, people will bring these various uh, conclusions to him, like, oh, th- this is what I think was happening to you, or I think this or this or that happened. And he'll entertain it, and he'll be like, yeah, I can see how that makes sense, and he'll like dive these ra- rabbit holes to the point where I think he's lost himself in it where he doesn't even know what happened to him anymore.
0: Well, I mean, one of his big critics, which is uh, a skeptic named Michael Shermer, has actually said that he thinks that he is— he, he, he says that the polygraphs aren't a reliable determiner of truth, but yeah. he says that he thinks that at this point that he is self-deceived. That, like, he he is so into the story that he doesn't even know what's true, what's not well, anymore. Well,
1: he's held to the story word for word since it's happened. Yeah. So, I mean, what, what do you really—I know people are like, well, what does he have to gain from it? Yeah. To me, I don't think he has much to gain from it. I mean, this literally has—it ruined his career with the company he was with. Mm-hmm. It ruined his uh, social life, his uh, ties and connections he had in the town. Yeah. I mean you just have so much to lose by faking something like this something that gained international media attention.
0: Yeah. I think at the end of the day it doesn't really matter and here's why um these elements are present in other cases that yep. are more established the reason why we picked this one is because it's well known yeah it's a I'd, super I'd well be surprised
1: case. if people haven't at yeah. least heard of the movie
0: yeah there's a lot of people who have seen fire in the sky it's a, it's a very well-known case and that's yep. why we chose it for this episode um but that being said let's talk about the second case that we have which is the case of Betty Well, i want to know what you think about travis walton i think that travis walton's a liar Personally, you think that he's liar.
1: I think that he's a liar. I think
0: now is this just
1: based on the Joe Rogan interview or is this because
0: what? Um, based off of the Joe Rogan stuff. And I do, even though they're not permissible in court, I do find it interesting that he had one test that was inconclusive. Um, one, one that, or was it one, two that he passed. But it's by the inquirer. Yeah, but um, you gotta
1: think about the questions they would ask him in something like yeah. that. Like if you you were asked somebody like when you ask somebody base questions for the for the polygraph, like is your name so and so they'll tell your name? Right. Yes or no? Yeah. Uh is it this day of the week? Yeah. Like those are answers with straightforward, like questions with straightforward answers. Yeah. You ask somebody that's gone through this experience, like, were you abducted by aliens? I don't know. Like, is yeah. that what you're calling it? Like to me, there's so many unknowns and so, so much left to uh, sort of subjective experience. Like, yeah. I don't know how you could quantify that experience with a polygraph test. I,
0: maybe, maybe if I watch more interviews of him and see his, how he deals with other people telling the story, maybe, that I, maybe I'll come to a, a different conclusion. But my, the very first thing within 10 seconds of watching the Joe Rogan interview, I was like, this guy's lying. I was like, and it's pretty obvious. I was like, there are just a lot. Like he's fidgety. There's a lot of stud. Um, um, e- um, you know that going on. Like but in law not, enforcement, yep. those are telltale signs. Oh, that that, it lying.
1: even got me the way he yeah. reacted in there. But, in, but like he you had, said,
0: he's not that way in other interviews. So maybe I'll, I'll watch some of that. He ones does
1: more. like national conferences and things. where He speaks in front of tons of people, and he yeah. doesn't do that. So I don't know if it was just something about Joe Rogan, like. <laughs> If Joe Rogan was like know. freaking him out or what, but maybe.
0: I mean, people have bad days too. So yeah. I don't know. But based off of that, that was the conclusion that I came to. And but you know, maybe I'll watch some more and maybe I'll come to a different conclusion. But I've that got to
1: swing him back for his team. Like somebody, if, for the people who's have experienced things like that, yeah. like if, if they're going to be brave enough to talk about stuff like that, I've got to kind of be their advocate there. All
0: right. So, so this could probably, yeah. at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters. Um, because, like I said, the stuff that he experienced in his case, or his ca- yeah, his case is... I feel like this, this is me, like, full on X-Files, like, I, like <laughs> I want to believe. <laughs> I want to believe. I want to believe. I think that the elements in his case are present in other cases that are very, very well established. And one of those is the story of Betty and Barney Hill. Yep. Um, similar stuff in their case. We're going to zoom out.
1: This is one that you've researched probably more than I have. Like, I really latched on to Travis Walton, and you were telling me details about Betty and Barney Hill that I really didn't pay any attention to. Like, from a paranormal perspective, anybody in the field has heard about their case. Like, you've heard about uh, Betty's dress that had the pink pink stains and substance on it when they come back. Uh, Their uh, regression therapy. With hypnosis, things like that, but yeah, there were points in the case that you brought up to me that I, I wasn't even aware of.
0: Well, so the Hills, they lived in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. <coughs> um, Barney was employed with the U.S. Postal Service. Um, Betty was a social worker. They were active in a Unitarian congregation, <laughs> so that's, that's interesting. And um,
1: I love that they literally, after the experience, had a UFO abductee support group At their church. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean...
1: Like, if we don't start one of these at New Haven, I'm going to be so mad. Like, from now on, this is what we got to do. I mean,
0: I think that it's very interesting that they are in a false church, and they experience experience, uh, interesting phenomena as a result. I mean, that's there's a connection there, you know. Um, But they were also members of the NAACP. Um, They were community leaders. It's interesting,
1: Um, though. You don't see Betty and Barney Hill sort of take a religious... Approach to their experience, no. like you don't, you, I don't recall in their interviews saying like, okay, this was an angel or this was no. a demon. They don't really seem to look at it through that lens, and that's that's pretty fascinating when you think about it, given their their history, their religious
0: ties. Yeah, there may be some, you know, uh, with the whole Unitarian, you know, uh stuff. I don't know. Maybe there's, I don't know. But anyway, like, I don't know if they were just Unitarians or Unitarian Universalists. You know, whatever. You know, I can see if they were Unitarian Universalists, like to them, like any anything, you know, like yeah. they don't. It's, it, it, it's Universalist, so I could see how they could, you know.
1: Yeah, but even like to me, they they don't even assign almost a spiritual aspect to it. Like that is what's interesting. Like from their mouth, you don't really hear that from people that have I were around them be- and that heard the story. Yeah,
0: but well, say so I guess that's my point. Like I find it hard for people hard to believe that people who are Unitarian Universalists to even be super spiritual to begin with. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we're all, everybody's going to heaven, right? Like, this is, like, how, like, how religious or spiritual or devout, how could, how, how could you be such a thing? Whatever you believe in universalism. You know what I mean? So, to me, it could make sense theologically why they don't assign some kind of spirituality to it. Um, At least that's the first thing that pops in my head. Um,
1: So, do we want to, Sort of go into what happened to him that yeah, night, tell yeah,
0: the story. Yeah, yeah. So um according to a variety of reports given by the Hills, um there was a UFO sighting that happened around uh ten thirty PM Saturday, the nineteenth, nineteen sixty one. So this is a little bit before Travis Walton's, his was in seventy three. Um so they were driving back f- to Portsmouth from a vacation in Niagara Falls and Montreal. I'm
1: almost thinking that this is the first abduction case in the United States. Yeah, I think that you're right. I'm pretty sure. Like I know I have a list of first like you, we got Flatwoods Monster as the first high strangeness case. Right. I think this is the first really case of the official abduction phenomena.
0: Yeah. So they're coming back from a vacation uh south of Lancaster, New Hampshire. Betty says that she observed a bright point in the sky that moved below the moon and the planet Jupiter. And, uh, while Barney's navigating and he's driving, uh, Betty's kind of, she's observing this, right? Yep. And she re- she started to tell herself that what she saw. And then I think this is interesting was a falling star. There's a lot to unpack in that. Yep. Um, which we will later, but here's the thing. It moved upward. Falling stars, stars don't. Yeah, it was the upwards.
1: erratic movement. That
0: right. she really got Barney's attention.
1: Like, hey, this yep. is this is something else.
0: Yep. So that's one of the things that they talk about in the reports is that it moved erratically, and not only did it did it move erratically, but it grew bigger and bigger and brighter and brighter. And so Betty tells Barney to stop the car. Uh, they take the opportunity to walk their dog because they're coming back from vacation, and he starts, st- uh, stops at a scenic picnic area south of uh, Twin Mountain. So, Betty, she pulls out the binoculars, and through the binoculars, she observes what she called an odd shaped craft flashing multicolored lights traveling across the face of the moon. Um, I don't know if this
1: article go is ahead. going to mention this, but uh, in the reports, like Betty and Barney both talk about how the object was sort of putting on a display to try to attract attention from somebody. Mm-hmm. And then when they got it from them, they felt like as they were observing the object, the object somehow was observing them. Like, it, it was made aware of their presence. Like, it's sort of like... Like, you hear people talk about focused intention. Yeah. Like, that this object became aware that they were paying attention to it. And it started reacting to them. And that's how even that's they even, even found them to begin with. Like, it literally zoomed down in to where they were at.
0: Well, they start to try to, to reason more. They're like, okay, it's a fallen star. Okay, well, it's not that... And so finally she she starts to tell herself, Oh, okay, it's a plane. Yep. Right? It's a because it's it's doing things that stars don't do, but then she ends up realizing that um, it's not because it looked like that it just randomly took a turn and started descending in their direction. Yep. It
1: was like okay. Like as soon as they noticed it, it noticed them.
0: That's right. So they they hurry back to the car. They drive towards uh, Franconia Notch. It's a uh, mountain stretch um by uh the stretch of road, which is a really, really interesting place. Um because there's an area around it that connects <laughs> there's a connection thematically to the Walton case. Um there's a place around it called Indian Head.
1: Yep. You just wait till this new project that we got comes out. Yeah. Um They'll they'll understand the connections better then. Right
0: um but indian head again um uh, it's a it's uh it's a place like in the walton case um that has native a Na- had a native american presence present yep um it was there was native americans there there was native american worship happening there they were living there that kind of thing um which is really really interesting whenever you're considering these things you have two Two cases that are big cases, and they're both happening in places where there is Native American principality worship. Yep. Um, so anyway, so they get back in the car. They start driving, um, and the object continues to come closer and closer. And at one point, they said that the object passed above a restaurant. And signal tower on top of, uh, it's called Cannon Mountain outside of the old, near the old man of the mountain, which is part of the whole Indian head yep. thing. Um, Betty he testified that at least one and a half times the length of the granite cliff profile, uh, that the, yeah, uh, sorry. Betty testified that it was at least, the, the object. object was at least yep. uh, ha- one and a half times the length of the granite cliff profile, which was 40 feet long. And she said that it seemed to be rotating. Okay. So the content- they, they keep watching. Um, they watch the craft continue to move erratically, bouncing back and forth. And about one mile south of Indian Head, they said the object rapidly descended towards their vehicle, which caused Barney to stop in the middle of the, the highway. Yep. Again, this is interesting because... Do you know uh, what it reminds me of? Don't say it. I know because, what you're going to say. Does, Let's zoom out. Because
1: I'm seeing it in my head unfold the very yes. way. Okay. Yeah. Um,
0: because I, that was what I was going to talk about with the telepathic bit.
1: Yeah, because it's very reminiscent of yep. another famous tale. Yep.
0: yep. Um, which is going to show the consistency between yep. this case and other cases. But um, it descends over the highway. Um, the it It hovered about... 80 to 100 feet yep. above the hills, which in the Walton case, it was 120 uh, approximately. Um, it's They they said that it filled the entire field of view for the windshield. <laughs> Barney said it reminded him of a huge pancake. He must have been hungry, uh, whatever he said. Yep. But uh, he, he was also carrying a pistol in his pocket at that time, and he stepped away from the vehicle to move closer to the object. He was thinking about shooting it. Um, but... He uses the, the binoculars, he pulls out his binoculars to take a look at it, and he claims, and here this is interesting, to have seen eight to eleven humanoid figures who were peering out of the crass window looking at him.
1: Now, does this article talk about the communication that the heels described that happened yes. in this moment? Yes. Okay. So
0: one of the, so in unison, all but one figure moved um, to what appeared to be a panel at the rear wall. Of the craft, and they ended up and in, encircling in, in the front portion of the craft. But um, one remaining figure continued to look at Barney, looking at him, yep. and communicated to him telepathically a message telling him, "Stay where you are and keep looking."
1: Yep. The same. The same sort of
0: telepathic That's communication right. you yep. see with Travis Walton. Yep. So um, Barney says that they were wearing glossy black uniforms and black caps. Um, Red lights on what appeared to be wing fins began to telescope out of the side of the craft. And a long structure descended from the bottom of the craft. The silent craft approached what Barney estimated was within 50 to 80 feet overhead and 300 feet away from him. On October 21st, uh, Barney reported to the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, the NICAP investigator Walter Webb, that the beings were somehow not human.
1: So now, what what did he report to? Is that NICAP? Yes. Okay.
0: Yep. To NICAP. Yep. Um, so he takes the binoculars uh, away from his eyes. He goes back to the car, and he told Betty like hysterically, "They're going to capture us."
1: Yeah. Like to, uh, during their interviews, they say that there was more than that. Like he the the being told him like you know don't be afraid like like they even as they even like it was he describes it almost like a diversion or something like it was asking him, like you know what are you called you know don't be afraid like. Trying to calm him down. Right.
0: Um, so uh, he drives away as fast as he can. He tells Benny, uh, Betty to look for the object. She rolls down the window. She looks up. Almost immediately, they begin to hear, and this is interesting, a rhythmic series of beeping and buzzing sounds, yep. which is very consistent with the Walton case, yep. which they see, said seemed to bounce off of the truck of their vehicle.
1: Again, a tactical, yep. a tactile experience
0: yes. with the lights and yes. the sounds. The car vibrates there's a tingling sensation that passes through their body. So there's, yep, there it is. There's uh <clears throat> there's embodied, something embodied happening here. Like there was in there. And then a second series of beeping and buzzing um, returned. Uh, sound, uh, it knocked them unconscious. The yep. second, the second ones. And here's what's interesting. And this is a consistency. Sort of like as tra- well. What happened to Travis? That's right. So it knocks them unconscious. They found whenever they finally came to, they found that they had traveled nearly 35 miles south, but only had vague, spotty memories of the section of the road. And so they ended up recalling making a sudden sharp planned turn, encountering a roadblock, and observing a fiery orb in the road. That's all they yep. remember. So um, this case is very famous. Um, some of their, uh, the, the stuff, you mentioned it yep. um, back uh, whenever we started talking about it. Um, now their case, their abduction uh, experience was a
1: little bit more severe than what happened to Travis.
0: Quite a bit. Um, well,
1: I mean, there could be more that Travis just doesn't remember. But there's a lot of stuff that followed their case. Yep.
0: Um, like Betty had dreams after the case, like a series of very wild, vivid dreams, like night terrors dreams. Yep. They continued for five successive nights. Um, she, uh, she there's the whole uh, Barney. Ended up um, like they talk about. Uh, he ends up almost being like in a trance and sleepwalking, yep. and all kinds of interesting things.
1: Um, yeah, they they described as being very detached yep. from even reality, from yep. time, from their from their from being present. Like the, they had trouble engaging in their social calendars, anything like that. Yep. But their their actual experience, what they experienced during the abduction, is just wild and connects to a lot of interesting Watcher Genesis things that I want to talk about later.
0: They, um, afterwards, they ended up going through hypnosis. Yep. Um, they had a meeting at the parsonage of the Church. There was a guest speaker who was Captain Ben H. Sweat of the U.S. Air Force. Um, having an interest in hypnosis, um, they approached him privately about their strange encounter. And he was also, uh, Sweat was... Interested in the missing time of the hills account, and um, they asked him if he would hypnotize them. and he declined. Um, he was an amateur hypnotist, apparently, and they declined. Or he declined their office, their their thing. Uh, but eventually, they would would go through hypnotism yep. to try to recover their memories. Yeah, the they lost, went through yep. regression. Yep. So, anyway,
1: um, now do you want to talk about that experience because it's. It's very sketchy, what happened to them. Their,
0: hypne- their hypnotism?
1: No, their their actual abduction experience, what happened to them no, you, you during ahead. the abduction.
0: You go ahead. You talk about it.
1: Well, uh, they're separated. When, when they get on board the craft, mm-hmm. they are separated. Mm-hmm. They take Barney elsewhere. They take Betty to one place.
0: No, did they get this whenever they... Um did they Was this a memory That was recovered Yes or, Okay I was gonna say Because we haven't even Talked about Zeta Reticuli yet
1: Yeah this is This is part of that Okay Alright So uh, they get separated On the craft And they, their, their explanation is uh, The beings told them That it would be Just easier to deal with If they were separated uh, They have the same Sort of fear Lashing out That Travis Walton Describes Of seeing, this, seeing these creatures But their experience Was far more Sexually focused yes. Than what happened To Travis That's right Yep uh, the heels both recall uh the beings having an interest in their reproductive organs their reproductive uh functionality mm-hmm. they uh, They talk about uh a needle being inserted into betty's stomach. Mm-hmm. She assumes that they were like checking out like her eggs and things like that, mm-hmm. and they took samples yep uh sh- one thing she described is when they the beings noticed that she could feel pain, mm-hmm. they waved their hands in front of her and the pain was gone. Hmm. So that was one aspect of it. And they made it clear that they were, that's what they were interested in. I mean, they, it wasn't just something they were assumed. Betty and Barney say that this is something they, that was explained to them during their experience. And Barney, on his hand, he said that uh, the beings took this, this cup-like device and placed it over his genitals. And it, he thinks that they took a sperm sample. Hmm. So they were very interested in the reproductive system of of human beings, and to me, that's and that's we'll we'll save that part. But yeah. uh, that's where you get the whole people know the case from. That's where you get people noticing uh, Zeta Reticula mm-hmm. that later came out. Uh, yeah, they the,
0: they came out with a star map. Yep, and they said that they went to a galaxy called Zeta Reticula. Yep, I think it was a galaxy.
1: It's a uh I think it's a Constellation.
0: Maybe, yeah, I can't remember. Like they show, they
1: Betty says they show her as sort of a, a sort of a holographic, three dimensional star map yeah. of where they come from. Yeah, and it's later the star map that Betty describes and has an artist recreate lines up with Zeta Reticula that's yeah. discovered identified later yeah. on.
0: Yeah. Um. Which is really, really interesting. Um, Which
1: absolutely points back to things like the Giza pyramids and things. That you have these these civilizations pointing back to where these watchers came from. Yeah. Like constellations in the sky. So stars. It yeah. makes sense in that aspect, too.
0: Yep. So, um, now their case is super, super like, legit. Like, so a lot of the their objects from this is actually kept at a college. Yeah. Like, a lot of their cases and, you know, case and files and Especially stuff, that stuff. Especially Betty's
1: dress. Yeah. Like, she had, she came back with a mysterious pink stain on her dress that she said happened during the experience and it's tested and it's... They can't identify it. Yeah. But, to me, it's... Their, their experience really set the standard for the abduction phenomenon moving forward from their case. Like, you see every experience, every case after that there's a, there's an aspect focused on sexual reproduction. Mm-hmm. I mean, you hear people making jokes, all oh, the aliens are coming and they're going to probe us. Like that's mm-hmm. not something that they're just joking about right. offhand. Like that's the real aspects of these initial reports.
0: Yeah. So let's zoom out here a little bit. Okay. Let's talk <clears throat> about the abduction phenomena as a whole. We're 42 minutes in.
1: No oh, God, which is crazy. And we haven't, even we haven't even gotten to the
0: meat of this thing yet. Um, Let's talk about UFO phenomena as a whole and abduction phenomena. Man, there are, there are elements to both of these cases that is oh, so wait, wait, wait.
1: familiar. Wait, Go We forgot to mention a point. Uh, I, I was thinking about this when I was reading the article again the other day about Betty and Barney Hill. They, they said that when they looked at the UFO and they saw it and they acknowledged it and that this was something weird and it almost caught awareness of them, mm-hmm. it reminds me so much of Dr. Stephen Greer in CE5 and the experiments they're doing today with right. that very same thing, trying to initiate right. that contact.
0: There's focused intention on trying to make contact with these beings. They're using rituals, meditation, guided meditation It's like they're doing on purpose
1: what Betty and Barney Hill done sort of on accident. Right. Like, yep. I see that connection there.
0: Um, but there are some interesting threads in these cases that lines up with other St- cases of high strangeness and right. UFO phenomena and, and abduction And one of them Is the Mothman case Oh boy I mean whenever you have A humanoid being Yeah Roaming around Parkersburg Point Pleasant All of those areas Named Indrid Cold Well let's Yeah let's just talk about Mr. Indrid Cold And his story Well um, So Indrid Cold Let me let, let me pull up some dates here Because I actually Didn't have his yep. story pulled He was
1: up. first encountered By Woodrow uh, Derenberger D- Woodrow Derenberger on a county road in Miss Parkersburg, outside Parkersburg.
0: It was outside Parkersburg. On on, uh, I think it's seventy nine or seventy. If you've watched the series Hellier, they actually go
1: to the the actual mile marker, the yeah. spot there where it happened.
0: Um, this happened in sixty six. That was the first sighting. Um, let me see here if I can find. I think it's, <clears throat> I think it's seventy seven. I can't remember, but. Um, but it's basically the yeah.
1: same way that it that it happened It was seventy seven. Yeah, Interstate it's basically the, the exact same thing that happened to the hills. I mean, uh, this object sort of comes down and lands in the road, and
0: literally, literally, lands, literally lands in the road. Yeah, so, forces Woodrow out of the car. Yeah, Woodrow. So Woodrow is uh, he's driving. Uh, he's on he's on seventy seven. Um, he's he's on his way back home, and all of a sudden, a craft comes down low like it did in the Betty and Barney Hill case where it went over the restaurant. It comes over the four lane and it ends up landing in the four lane. And the being You just just talk about
1: that so casually. Right. This this CT craft just casually lands lands in the four lane in Parkersburg. In in (laughs)
0: Parkersburg on the four lane as one does. As as it does. As as it does in West Virginia. Absolutely. Um, But um, hmm Anyway, there, I just uh, read the third sighting adventure, cold cold uh, that happened on Point Pleasant. Uh, we'll talk about that a little yeah, bit more. In but
1: a it lands in the road. Uh, Woodrow gets out of his car and begins, he's looking at it,
0: and it begins speaking to him telepathically. Yep, and which is very consistent with the Travis Walton case and the humanoid being speaking to him telepathically, and Betty and Barney Hill, Barney getting out of the car, and then even the things tele- that it pa- says to uh,
1: Woodrow are almost identical to the things that Barney says that these things communicated to him. Yeah, Like, right. it, they he, even down to, like, injured asking what is he called? Yep. Like, uh, don't be afraid. That, that kind right. of thing. I'm not going to hurt
0: you. Don't yep. be afraid. All of that kind of, the, the, What are you called is, like, a very famous thing that he says. Yep. Um, but he describes him as not being quite a human. Yep. Which is what Barney, I think it was, said about the humanoids, too. And that's
1: interesting, though, just that point, with him asking that, like, what are you called? Yeah. Like, that's not something that you hear people... In West Virginia, say, like, I've never like, heard, I've never heard it in my life, like, somebody say, What are you called? Like, that's something that's very almost European. Like, mm-hmm. I've heard, like, people from the UK, you know, like, He's called this and they'll mm-hmm. say their name. Yeah. But for, some, for Appalachia, for some, absolutely, that's not anything I've ever heard here. So, that really lends credence that it was something sort of outside his own yep. perceptions and his experience.
0: So, um, but he speaks to him telepathically. Yep. He's saying very similar things. The craft is landing him on the road like, like it does in these other cases. Um, but there's no probing action going on no. with, with Derenberger. Derenberger um, encounters him again. Um, but telepathically, he tells him his name was Injured Cold and that yep. he meant no harm. Um, he said that he just wanted to know more about the human race. And he eventually began visiting Derenberger Pretty frequently. That's
1: fascinating because a lot of abductees experience these uh, multiple and frequent abduction experiences. Like there's not the majority of them don't just have one experience and it's one and done. Like when they go through regression, they find out that they've been abducted multiple times at various points in their life. So the yeah. fact that Indrid shows up more than once it fits that pattern too. Yeah, he
0: he also revealed to Darren Berger he was from a planet called Lanulos. Uh, and there's uh, various sightings of of, Col- of injured Cold. Um, the third sighting that we hear about him, he w- it was in the same period, and this one was in Point Pleasant. And this is interesting. They've reported poltergeist activity in their home, yep. like, and, and diamond-shaped lights. Yep. And uh, this was a family called the Lilies, and uh, they had a daughter named Linda, uh, or sorry, um, the Lily's daughter was uh, sleeping one night. They didn't have a, uh, somebody sleeping over But she was sleeping one night, and she awoke to see a man over top of him, over, over her. She said it was a big, she said, this is her quote. She said it was a man, a big man, very broad. I couldn't see his face very well but I could see that he was grinning at me. Oh, no. Which is what Derenberger yeah. talks about him, called call him the grinning, the grinning man. man right? And that's
1: really where the whole mythos of mm-hmm. Indrid Cold developed online. Like he became this sort of almost a thought form, like this manifestation of the grinning man. Yep. Or,
0: yeah. Yep. So uh, so you have similarities here with yep. this case. And then you, with other UFO cases, right, you have things like, even in the Mothman case, things like loss of time.
1: This is stuff that's absolutely consistent with any uh, true abductee. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll, they'll experience paranormal phenomena. That's why people today want to cram together the abduction experience with things like hauntings, like it being a common source. Mm-hmm. Because people that go through these abduction experiences will experience paranormal activity in the days leading up to and following their abduction experiences.
0: Um, in all these cases, though, there are consistent themes. Yeah. Like these beings seem to be interested in the biology of humanity and the sexual reproductive system.
1: Now, other than these being otherworldly perverts, there's there's uh, an absolute reason why they would be focused on the biological reproductive system. Well, let's get into that. Yeah, let's get into it, because I'm dying to get into it. <laughs> so let's let's talk about,
0: like, okay, let's zoom out even further now. We've talked about these particular cases. We've talked about consistency with other UFO phenomena cases, uh, UFO cases and abduction cases. We've talked about Grinning Man, we've talked uh, about Injured Cold, we've talked about Mothman. Um, there's similar stuff in the Flatwoods Monster case, too. Um, but these are themes that are consistent in all sorts of UFO cases. I now, mean, it's like, there there is a theme that, like, you, you talked about this earlier, people laughing talking about, no, you you got abducted by, did you get probed? Yeah, You know, that, that's a consistent theme. Yeah. And so... That hints to the, uh, foc- the applied focus on... The reproductive system. So let's and the, zoom and out. The let's zoom out a little bit more. Yep. Let's start to as fil- to why that's a yeah. thing. Let's start to filter this through the <clears throat> lens of biblical theology yep. now. Let's start to to think about like who are these beings? Why are they so interested in sex? Yeah. Who else
1: in scripture had this same fascination with this blending of humanity and beings from the stars? Yeah, that's so that's
0: the sons of God from Genesis chapter absolutely. six. You know the sons of God go in. You know they take daughters of men to belong to themselves, and they go into them, and they produce uh, hybrid, uh, wretched offspring called the Nephilim. The
1: I the mean, fallen that's ones, pe- the I don't think people understand. Like people hear that in conspiracy circles, like, oh yeah, the government's aiding these aliens and making human alien hybrids, mm-hmm. and they don't know how. Close. Close to the head they are on that right. with the source of this phenomenon, like what it traces back to, to the Watchers, to this, the Nephilim, to that same sort of experience that they're laughing at now.
0: There's an interesting theme here also that connects to the Watchers, which is the, the theme of technology as well. Yeah. In all of these cases, they're observing this technology, right? Um, the craft, and how it's able to do erratic things that defies the laws of gravity. Yep. Um also like they're using instruments that we don't know what they are. Well, like we, the
1: gift of technology and that knowledge is absolutely what the watchers brought.
0: Well, that's what I was about to say. Whenever you start digging into Enoch and and things like that, even
1: the other times that these things have made themselves known like a lot of people have to, like they they theorize that Hitler and with his Thule Society, made contact with these very beings, and that's the reason that the Nazis grew to such mm-hmm. techno- technological prowess, sort of overnight, yeah. like in exchange for their their companionship that these uh, beings gave them advanced technolo- technological knowledge, and things like that.
0: Yeah.
1: So it's the same sort of watcher exchange that you see in biblical times.
0: Yeah. So, so here's what we're saying: these are the same beings. Yep. Right. Like the modern day UFO phenomena is the same. The beings that are being encountered here in this phenomena yep. are the same beings that have been encountered since ancient times. In the Bible, they're called the sons of God or members of God's divine council. Right. Sons denote a familial relationship.
1: Yep. So this is a modern mask of an ancient these phenomena. Are the, these yep. are
0: the same beings that. Um, Others were encountering in the ancient Near East who claimed to be about their
1: it, gods. Yeah, if you think about it, even it goes beyond just human abductions. When you get to into things like animal mutilations, you see the Nephilim, like the Watchers were defiling animals Right back then. That's where you get this idea of chimeras and these animal hybrids. Yeah. Like it comes from that same defiling that was going on, even that goes beyond just humanity. Yeah. So
0: so whenever, uh, you know, you, you go back though throughout the ancient Near East and you see depictions, for example, say in places like Babylon and yep. and you're seeing um what looks to be spacemen and yep. gods coming down from the heavens and they seem to be in like chariots with wheels and wheels and, and stuff like that. So many um, ancient cultures have that same language to
1: describe these very beings. Like even in like the Hopi Indians, they they the star people that they even claim to be descendants of. So I mean there's that claim to coming from the watchers, like their ancestors coming from the skies.
0: Ancient astronauts, uh, theorists, they, they kind of get it right. They're like, okay, these gods... <laughs> Dude, they the, do, but they don't like, even... Th- these beings are the... Are the gods are these same beings. But where they get it wrong is that they think that ancient astronauts are, these are just beings from outer space, yeah. or that they're evolved humans. Like there's who,
1: there's no sort of spiritual aspect to these right. things. Yeah. yeah,
0: like they're right, but they're also terribly wrong. Yeah. These are the Watchers. These are angelic, celestial beings who have fallen and rebelled against God and have sought to come down and to intermingle with humanity for their own gain. Now, why would they do that? Well, there's various reasons. For one, they, they hate humanity and the reason why is because by union with Christ we take their place right not only does Christ save us from our sins not only does he dis- disarm the rulers and the principalities who were once over the nations according to colossians 2:14 through 15 but we also paul says in romans 7 through 8 we become sons of god we end up with the titles they used to have whenever isaiah in isaiah 6 sees in heaven Right, he gets his this vision from God, and he sees in heaven. He doesn't see humanity there. He sees celestial nope. beings. Whenever Daniel in Daniel 7 uh, sees in heaven, he gets his vision. He sees the divine council there, opening books, no humans. Um, whenever John the Revelator, though, in Revelation 5 on through up to like chapter 11, whenever he sees heaven, he's caught up into, into heaven, he sees something different that all of these other writers in the past didn't see. They didn't see humans. John sees humans. He sees elders before the throne with crowns, casting their, crown, their crowns before the feet of yep. God. But they're also <clears throat> involved in opening the books, help, Christ opening the scroll and meting out the covenant curses upon those who are in faith. Yep. And the reason why is because humanity has now been elevated. By way of union with Christ, we have been lifted up into the heavenlies. We have been seated with Christ in the heavenlies, Paul says in Ephesians 2. We have been joined to God's divine counsel. And now these beings who used to be a part of God's divine counsel, they hate you. They're at war with you now. They want to destroy your life. There's an old phrase that we say here in West Virginia, and probably beyond West Virginia, about the forces of darkness. They come to steal, kill, and destroy. Yep. That's the reason why. Because humanity, by being joined to God, not by apotheosis, but by theosis, is one of the words that we use to talk about this in the Christian tradition. By being united to God, our humanity is lifted, it is elevated. We are united to Christ, the God man, and we become sons of God, and we become members of the divine council. That's the reason why Paul says in Corinthians, hey, Corinthians, um, you guys got sex doing sexual immorality in your church. Um, you better deal with that because don't you know that one day you're going to judge angels? So many people read that passage and they don't understand what that means. Yep, They're like, well, if we're going to judge angels one day, that's weird. What's that? Okay, well, I'll just put that on my mind. I don't know what that means. The reason why you're going to one day judge angels is because you have been united to Christ, you have become members of the Divine Council, you will one day judge the fallen sons of God who rebelled against our Father. And that's why these beings hate you. Yep. That's the reason why they give humanity technology to destroy them. It's the reason why they want to... And there's almost a, um, a sort of possession at work here as well. You go into humanity, you produce a corrupted offspring, to fill the earth. Like it's a, it's a, uh, it's almost like Lord of the Rings. Like I was going to
1: say, we're not going to get through an episode without a Lord of the Rings. Reference. It's almost
0: like Lord of the Rings whenever um, they corrupt the elves. Yep. Like it's, it's creating a, a blackened image. You know, God creates humanity in his image. These fallen beings want to create, hu- they want to recreate humanity in yep. their fallen image in their darkened image. And so they do that by corrupting humanity by a, a, to quote Jude, going after strange flesh in the, the at the end of the New Testament, um, and so doing that not only does it help them destroy humanity, but it helps them to fill the earth with more rebellion, um, more evil. And that's going to acknowledge them as gods, right, um, instead of the one true God. So. There's some motive. That's the reason why this, these beings do what they do. And here's the thing. Um, I think we need to bring these categories of paranormal, ufology, uh, back together with the religious yep. because I, I think that christians nowadays are just so skeptical we're like yep. this type of stuff doesn't happen anymore like when was the last time you saw somebody talk to an angel or yep. you know, whatever
1: well when they're separated from that spiritual, spiritual aspect you can see how they get they get wonky and they get
0: corrupted and they get right just
1: yep. off the rails well, it's like
0: no these things are still happening yep and they're happening here and that's where the the whole mytho like i was talking about at the beginning that people who were into the mytho-historical stuff should be interested in this episode. These are the same beings in the mytho-historical stories. Yep. Right? In the mythic stories where you have gods coming down out of heaven, um, you, you look at Babylon and you look at beings like the Anunnaki and those types of things. These are those same beings. Same people. Same same celestial beings. Um, this is at work today. Yep. These beings are still being encountered today in the UFO phenomenon, an abduction phenomenon. It's all still yet occurring, but yet we tend to separate them out as though they're all different things because that's how we've been taught to think about it. And what we need to do is we need to actually bring it all back together. Yep. So. 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 Yep. Do you think that they're making, trying to make Nephilim? Listen,
1: that's, that's <laughs> what blew my mind when we were having this conversation on the phone the other day. Like, I was like, what is, what is, the, what is the purpose of these, well, you see, uh, do you believe that the Nephilim came back and tried, or the Watchers came back and tried this again
0: post flood? I mean, it says it, it says in the uh, Genesis six narrative that in the days before the flood there were Nephilim on the, the earth, and there were there thereafter the flood too. So,
1: is it really that much of a jump to say that that's what the the same game is today? Like this is a modern attempt at something they've been trying since inception.
0: Yeah, I think it's possible to say that. Um,
1: hmm. Like the very act of what they're doing is a is a slap in the face to God. Like it is, it is a direct a, assault towards Him. Like it's it's a, the ultimate act of rebellion to defile and uh, corrupt hmm. His creation, mankind. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering how far I want to get into this, <laughs> uh, because maybe it doesn't quite look the way you think it does. You know what I mean? Like people are like, but where's the giants? Yeah. Like where's, where's the giants walking? Uh, And all you got to do is, I mean, if you, depends on how you interpret Genesis six, let's get into it. There's a couple, there's a couple different strains, you know, you have literal angelic beings coming down and taking daughters of men and producing literal giants. Um, Another strain of thought that's another supernatural interpretation of this text is that this is uh, ritual sex magic, which is common. By
1: means of possession.
0: That's right. It is embodying the gods, these celestial beings. The man is embodying a god, and usually it's a temple prostitute, is embodying a goddess. The two are coming together in sexual union sex magic, and they are producing divine... Offspring, children, right? They're uh, sometimes it's just the male embodying a, a male god. Basically,
1: every ancient culture's claim to divinity and the throne well, whenever, is by this
0: process. Well, whenever Pharaoh you say, for example, if you read the Epic of Gilgamesh, it talks about yeah. him being one third of God, one one third God. How does that work? Yeah. Well, okay. You have a male who is embodying a god, so and then you have a female, right? So there's one, there's two. Right, you've got a male, you've got a female. That's two thirds. You get the one third by the male divinity, embodying the, the God, of divinity. divinity. Yeah. That's right. That's how you get it. So Gilgamesh is the product of Babylonian sex magic. There you go.
1: There's no, there are two things that are constant with every episode. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about Lord of the Rings, and we're going to talk about some form of sex magic. We're that's, going to talk about giants <laughs> and giants. That's, yeah. that's it's a given. Um, so, Welcome to Sword and Staff.
0: Okay. So, say so we take that interpretation. That's one supernatural interpretation.
1: Literally, uh, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. No, it, at the end of the day, the it does It's the same matter. end result that you get to in the end. Here's
0: what you get, though. You get beings. Uh, I've heard this on the Lord of Spirits. Uh, they've got some intriguing things to say. Um They talk about that these were uh, the giants were the products of sex magic. Yeah, and that they're not literal giants. I mean, yeah, they might be uh, have uh, a large stature, but the way that the ancient world viewed them, they were giants not because they were actually big in stature, but because of everybody knew that they were the union um, of the sex magic.
1: Yeah, the reputation that comes from their perceived bloodline. Like, they're, they're, that that's come right. From divinity, that's so right. They're giants. So they're giant. Yep.
0: That's right. Yeah. And that's why you get them depicted, you know, all. <coughs> so, yep. this answers the question of where are the giants today? Look where the mixtures are at. Look where the mixtures are at. Yep. Because in the, that's what the Nephilim are. That's what, Neph- that's what, Neph- that's what the, the giants are. They are, they are a mixture They of celestial. And terrestrial beings.
1: I think people today need to look at spiritual beings like Baphomet. He is this androgen, this mixture of human, of right. hum, uh, male and female. And who th- this? There's a group out there today that looks to him as their sort of patron-like figure. That's right. And that is the left.
0: That is. It is the left yep. with the whole LGBTQ transgender. T- t- tell them what's
1: literally tattooed on uh, Baphomet's arm.
0: Yeah. That's right. It's... Yeah. Uh, Solve et coagula yeah. in Latin, which means dissolve and congeal yeah. or dissolve and rejoin. It's... Dissolve, dissolve what is and... Dissolve yep. what is and recreate something from
1: the it. The very essence of the Watcher sort of mission.
0: The Watcher mission and also the mission of the political left. Yep. Solve et coagula, right? Divide and conquer, destroy and rebuild, Um Whatever. And so, and it's it, in that group that you find the mixtures today. Yeah. Um, you're right. That's exactly right. Men who look like women, women who look like men, people who are being, I'm not, say, I'm not saying that these people aren't created in the image of God. They yep. are. But people who are the product of celestial forces who are at work. Trying to continue the mission that they've been doing since the beginning, which is to destroy, to corrupt, and destroy humanity. So, so that might be one of the most, more controversial takes yeah. we've ever
1: given. I mean, we at one point we did say that I think it was during the uh, Midnight Mass episode we did say that yes. uh, drag queens were chaos monsters. We did. So we did. I mean, that yeah. kind of hinted at that. So. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, we did. Yeah, uh, which also explains the behavior. I wish somebody in uh, from
1: the right would run on this platform, like. Okay, the left are creating an, uh, chaos
0: monsters in the margins. We need to... <laughs> literally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's literally... I mean, that's the entire policy of the left yep. is the marginalized, the, the margins. And right? you can see that with their mission, like to, it's to, to flip, normalize it's these to, things, to, to, to flip, bring it into the to, center. It's yep. to flip-flop it. Yeah. Right? And that's the whole reason why you have everybody freaked out about Christian nationalism today. Yeah. Right? Because, oh, we can't have a Christian state. We yeah, can't have they, a nation They even acknowledge,
1: even right. by their efforts, the importance of bringing these things into to the center
0: that's right that's right making them normal yep it's the reason why they have transgender drag queens reading to your children at school yeah to normalize normalize it, to this bring thing bring the, it into the center was, to bring yep. the monsters on the margins into the center and to take what used to be in the center and shove it out at the margins it's flip-flopping yep. this is the reason why we call it clown world folks yep right think about a clown think about a circus think about a uh, think about a carnival. There's flipping, right? If you've ever seen the Joker on the ball, right? The ball is is moving. It's flipping, right? Yep. That's why calling what we live in now clown world is so fitting. Yeah. Because that's exactly what they're trying to do, to flip-flop things, right? To to make things that used to be the central cohesive thing that used to give identity and belonging and purpose and meaning and to destroy that. And to take what used to be at the margins, which is multiplicity, yep um which can't give meaning and to move that at the center and to make that the thing, and that's the reason why you have an anti culture today that's yep. the reason why and that's you, literally how culture and civilization dies, yeah, that is well you there's no identity Yep. you you can't there's nothing to co- to make cohesion at that point, there is nothing to bind people together um nothing higher than ourselves, no light to look up to, right? Um, So, yeah. So.
1: So, I think going back to the, uh, the the ufology things Mm -hmm. and the way ufology has been perceived over the past few decades, it was looked at as a sort of, they wanted to make it a branch of a very sincere scientific effort. Mm -hmm. But I think now, especially now you see this spiritual aspect to ufology being something that's really taken serious yeah like that's the thing like you even see it with when people encounter these beings like the whole message they bring is not primarily "oh, let's, get you, let's give you this technology and things it's their message is spirituality yeah like you see that's what Stephen Greer even says as the purpose of his work in CE5 and things like that that these are ambassadors of the spiritual realm they want to bring enlightenment yep. to humanity yep so I mean I think now even uh what used to be a very scientific, very practical, very narrow view of the phenomena is now opening up to be more balanced in a weird way. Yeah. Like they acknowledge the spiritual aspect to this thing. Yeah.
0: Let's get into some application here. Oh gosh. Don't get probed. (laughs) Don't get probed. That's the application. Avoid being probed at all costs. Freudian slip. (laughs) Um, Don't get probed. At all Um, costs. Yeah. Um, so I think this is probably <laughs> one of those episodes where it's the more you know. Yeah. You know? Um don't be doing C E five.
1: Yeah. Well practical application is like just know that there's a place for this stuff in the Christian worldview. I and, mean yeah. we literally have the categories for these things.
0: Right. Yeah. Um we can make sense of these things. Yep. We don't have to shove them off and to act as though this isn't real and it doesn't exist. Yeah, that's
1: one thing I wanted to mention. Like when Christians, especially, that don't have these categories come in contact with these stories or these experiences, they become very dis- defensive. Like, okay, this is an intrusion and a sort of rejection of my worldview. Right. When it's not, yeah. It's, yeah. they just don't have the, the lens to look at these things.
0: Well, I could see, I could see that. If you were buying into the materialistic...
1: Yeah, it's not so much that, okay, we can't believe you or we don't believe you. It's, okay, what you're saying contradicts my beliefs. Like,
0: well, I could see... So, if you buy into the view that, like, Stephen Greer has, yeah. that aliens are beings who evolved on another planet, and they are beings who have rights like you do, which is basically what he argues. Yeah. Um, I could see that. Because that means that God's doing something separate with beings over here and they are not descendants of Adam. And you get into some sticky problems at that point. Like, you literally have Christians who are talking about, I mean, you, did you, Jesus die for aliens? Yes, I was going to say that right. with the Vatican, with the That's questions right. that came up by their
1: That's observatory. Right. Like, if, right. if Christians, if humanity found life yeah. outside other planets, did Christ
0: die for the aliens? Right. Like, And do they need salvation because yep. they're not descendants of Adam? Therefore, they've not inherited the guilt or sin of Adam. Yep. You bypass that altogether whenever yep. you take our view. That becomes a non-issue at that point, whenever you say these are angelic beings, yep. they have always appeared to people in light. Think about the cases here. If you hear my dogs barking, that's because yep, that's, my wife that's, and daughter. There's a UFO that just landed out in the yard. <laughs> um, I have to catch myself here. <laughs> 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 uh, um, anyway. Uh, whew! Um, so uh, Josh just got abducted missing uh, time. Right, there you go. Um, So you have to ask yourself, like... Or no, you don't have to ask... these. I forgot where I was even at. But I was talking about that uh, these are beings who've always appeared to people in light, right? So whenever you take our view, you totally bypass the problem of having... Like, you don't even have to ask the question, are these... Like, since these aren't descendants of Adam, do they even need salvation? Yep. It's 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 a ridiculous question. Like, that's why you should reject the materialistic interpretation of, of aliens if you take our view of it you're able to agree with the bible that these are celestial beings who do come from heaven like fallen stars yep and who are interested in humanity but they're not descendants of adam they are angelic creations of god who are in rebellion to him and you don't even have to ask the question uh about atonement at that point so um I'm trying to think of what else. Uh, I'm going to say this one again. Don't do CE5. <laughs> we can't hammer that point hard. Don't do CE hard CE5. Um, don't do CE5. Don't do CE5. Um,
1: did we ever do an episode on what that is? Like mm, to focus on that? I know we've mentioned it and when we done, explained the various uh, encounters. Like maybe close encounters. on the
0: Space Invaders episode that we did a couple years ago. Maybe. I know how they classify it in kinds,
1: and Stephen's taken it to a new level. But it's his his experiences are literally just a modern take on what Aleister Crowley was doing. He's so, a
0: mat- he's a materialist. He
1: is a magician.
0: He is a yep. Yeah. Um, trying to think of what else we can get into here for some application. Oh, don't, don't be a leftist. <laughs> don't be a leftist. Don't don't be a leftist. Like. Put on the put on A your, vote for the left is a vote for Baphomet. Uh, you're you're, not wrong. <laughs> you're, not, you're not, not wrong. You're not wrong. You're <laughs> I mean, honestly, I think that people who have sense should start using that instead of the was it the donkey? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the do, yeah. that's the the symbol of the left. You should start using Baphomet yeah. because that's a lot more accurate. Um so put on your spirit jokes aside, put on your spiritual lenses here real quick and look at it. Right? Do you not see the flip-flopping? Do you not see the left trying to take what used to be at the center that gave identity, light, cohesion, ident- all of those things, and trying to push it to the margins and to take what used to be at the margins and bring it to the center? You want to avoid that, right? As as nice as they might sound on things like immigration and you know all of that what they are doing is they are like the watchers luring you in to something that will destroy identity, destroy spirituality, destroy meaning and ultimately destroy you. Yep. Like this is what people who have went through th- this leftist ideology for experience. There's tons of people out there who have made themselves in the image of Baphomet becoming androgynous who highly regret it. Like, the suicide rate for these people is extremely high. And the reason why is because they found out that this thing that they actually promised them that would make their life better if you just be who you are.
1: Yeah, when you toss out the, the created order, you get this free-for-all of chaos, and there's no meaning, no anything. Yeah. So, it's-
0: when it, when, so they promised them, just be who you are. Be true to yourself, right? They actually found that that made them a slave. It didn't right. actually make them free. So, freedom is found in Christ. It's found in conforming yourself to, to nature as He created it that participates in His being and uh, avoiding, avoiding the temptations of the watchers and the temptation to power that they give. Yep. So, that's your application. There's your application. So, all right, Richie, you got <laughs> anything else to say before we wrap up? This one might get us banned.
1: This we're banned. We're blocked. It, it's over after this.
0: If any episode is going to get us uh, taken off of uh, Apple and podcasting platforms, this one will be it.
1: Yep. I mean, we. I have so much more we could go into. We can get into, but we just don't have the time. So
0: yeah, you're right. Well, we're coming in at over an hour, and so uh, I mean, we did
1: plan about talking about Bob Lazar and yeah, we Area 51, him. but th- that yeah. another episode. Yeah.
0: So, um, all right. So uh, make sure to head on over to our Patreon at www.patreon.com dot Com backslash Sword and Staff Order for just five dollars a month. You can get the Sword and Staff Uncut. Uh, we've got all sorts of stuff going on on Patreon. We've got all sorts of stuff going on. Uh, we've got some boxes and stuff that's, you know we've been talking about. We need to announce to people we are not going to be able to go to Mothman Festival yes. this week. That is a change in plans. Um, maybe we'll be able to order some stuff from maybe the museum or something like that or somewhere to fill some of the boxes. But life hit. We heard, yep. I'm having car troubles, so we're going to have to take our car tomorrow and hopefully trade it in on a new car. Um, so. That kind of killed our trip. You didn't want to go without the crew, right? Um, We had Travis wasn't going to be able to go either because of work schedule. He just started a new job, and he doesn't have the time to go yet.
1: If if you weren't going to be able to go, I wasn't going to go either.
0: Yeah. So we're not going to be able to go to Mothman Festival. I think that we had some people who said that they were planning on trying to go to Mothman Festival. I think it was Timothy, wasn't it? I think it was Timothy Turner. Um, Sorry, Timothy. We're not going to be there. I know Josh Bryant, who is one of our patrons as well, was planning on, sorry, Josh, we're not going to be there. Um, Sometimes that's what happens. Yep. But anyway, um, but we still yet got cool things coming y'all's way. Um, We still yet will have uh, boxes and stuff coming up that we will be putting together. And um, also make sure to head on over to our website, www.swordandstaff.net. We've got blog posts up there. We've got some more blog posts coming. You told me to hold you accountable about writing blog posts. Where are those? Listen, they're coming this week. Okay. Today right. is day one of vacation days. Okay. So they're coming. Okay. Well, Richie's planning on writing some blog posts, folks. So... Uh, um also saw that some people were sharing some of our blog posts actually in the discord server so that's really cool um so make sure to go there follow us on social media you can find us on facebook at backslash uh, facebook.com backslash sword and staff order you can find us on instagram at sword and staff order find us on twitter at sword and staff wv you can find our discord server the sword and staff multiverse there is a portal open on our website that should be able to get you to there. There's all sorts of little worlds in that multiverse that talk about things from symbolism to dark Holler to episodes of the wandering wizard, the, our chin wag editions that we do on occasion, our weekly editions. Um, wow. There's a lot of stuff there. We've got a mu- place where people talk about music. We got a place where people talk about theology, the theology round table. We've got the paranormal round table where people talk about their Dungeons par- and Dragons, yeah, we everything. literally have a game of Dungeons and Dragons happening on our Discord server that has been going on for weeks now. Yep, um, we have a place f- where people can talk about art, the church calendar, dark wor- world building. Yep. If you're a writer, um, people can yeah talk about books. They can uh, drop prayers and liturgies. We've talked about that before, right? Um, all of that is in the Sword and Staff Multiverse. Those are all kinds of little worlds that exist there. So if you're interested on that. Get a hold of us. We'll try to get you a link. But there should be one open on our website if you just click on the Discord logo. So, Richie, you got anything else to say before we head off? Uh, October's coming. Mm -hmm. A lot
1: of special edition episodes. Uh And the release of the first teaser trailer for the new project.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. Looking forward to that. And so if we don't have anything else, I guess we'll go ahead and sign off. I've got a kid hanging and sitting on my lap She's here. She's literally
1: right here. Literally,
0: yep. <laughs> so, uh, all right, guys. Well, we thank you so much for tuning in this week's edition of The Sword and Staff. And we'll see you next week. See you then.